You're listening to Sex in Iceland with Sigadak, the sexologist. Here you'll be following me on my trips through Iceland, talking about sex, delivering sex ed, stand up about sex, and just whatever comes up, really. So if you're interested in sex, or even if you're just interested in Iceland, this might be something for you. Have you ever thought about Cuntcliffe? Is that a person? Is it a place? Is it a play? Is it a... What is Cuntcliffe? Who is Cuntcliffe? I just met the acquaintance of Cuntcliffe a few hours ago whilst in the shower. Now you're going, Cuntcliffe? What? Is this the name of a new soap? Where were you taking a shower? Are you still in Iceland? Does Iceland have such a place as Cuntcliffe, you crazy Icelanders, with your name for everything and your weird accent? No, no, I must stop you there. Because Cuntcliffe is actually my very own fanny pack. Fanny pack, you ask? Isn't that like a weird purse from the 80s that only senior citizens and people who are not stylish enough to buy a proper handbag news? Uh, no, no. This is something that's actually on my body. Yes. I greeted my Cutcliffe and I said, hello, Caesarean section one and two. This is what you have left me with. This collection of fat and skin that now hangs on, I guess, pelvis area. My vulva area, and like I'm talking my vulva, vulva slash pelvis below belly button. I don't know. Anyway, there it is a squishy mixture of skin and fat that protrudes above and below the red scar. Yep, I do love my red scar though, you know, it, it doesn't annoy me, but uh, the cliff thing. It's just weird, man. Like, it's just, it's like, it's, it's, it's weird to look at it. It's even weirder to, like, pinch it or press it or squeeze it. Um, but it's there. It's a part of me. I had this conversation with a friend of mine the other day who was saying um, that she really, like, if she were to get a tummy tuck, this is one of the things that she would get fixed. This annoys her greatly. She's like, I have a fat fanny. I'm sorry, I love using, it's called, it's something in Icelandic poetry, uh, which is called a uh, stuðla. Yeah, you know, you're like a stuðla. No, stuðla. Um, it's where you use the first letter twice. You know, so like it's an F, fat, fanny. I don't know what it's called in English, so pardon my baguette, I don't know. Um, yeah, so she was like, I want to get this fixed. I have a fat fanny and it annoys me immensely. And I was like, fat fanny? Hmm. Well, my cunt Cliff is just, we're friends, we've made peace, um, he's there, I'm here, we have to live this body together, and this will always be a part of us, I guess, you know, she's like, I say no, this will not always be a part of mine, I refuse, I'm like, yep, that is your right, you and your surgeon can take it up and uh, try to remove cunt Cliff, if that's even possible, I don't know. I've had um, two cesarean sections uh, and one 
vaginal birth. So my birth story or my birth yeah, story goes um, cesarean, vaginal birth, cesarean. So I have three kids um, and I had the cesarean section in 2000. My first cesarean section was in 2011 with my firstborn. So my firstborn actually, I had a cesarean section because she was sitting on her bum. So the baby was, you know, not head first, but ass first, which is not something that you really want. Because apparently those types of births can be more difficult and more painful. And it's not something that they would recommend when you're having your first child. But the funny thing is, though, that I was really anxious about giving birth. So I'd always said from like a really young age, I will never give birth vaginally. It sounds disgusting to me. And even though, you know, my mom like offered me to be present when my brother was being born. I was 17 at the time. And I was like, uh, no, thank you. Like, why would you? Like, do you hate me? Like, why would you offer that to me? That, that to me isn't a gift. That to me is like a prank or something. Um, so I wasn't present. And I thought the whole scenario, the whole thing was just quite disgusting. And just the thought of it, uh, it just gave me chills. And I always remember saying, I will adopt. I will adopt. I will adopt. I will never have what you call a child of my own because I was just oh it frightened frightened me so much and even when I was pregnant with my first child I couldn't I couldn't look at um, like birthing videos I just I couldn't I couldn't get myself to do it so uh, I guess it was kind of you know be careful it's kind of karma be careful what you wish for it might come true because um, the universe is listening and apparently my baby was listening as well because she was like mama I got this you and me, we won't be giving birth. Oh no, baby girl, I'm gonna be sitting on my ass and you will be cut like a little princess and I will be hoisted from your stomach like the queen that I am. And that's actually what happened. But also I might add, and this was serendipitous, um, she actually, because she was sitting, my baby, I had extra sonograms done and I had extra um, appointments with the midwife to confirm that she was sitting and everything. And whilst they were doing that, they discovered that she had like a little birth flaw in her stomach that needed to be corrected with surgery as soon as she was born or else like she would have survived. Um, and they just realized that by chance. Mm -hmm. So they wouldn't have known this until after she was born and we would have, compl have had complications as soon as she would, would have been born. But they um, realized this during just like an extra sonogram that I had. Is it called sonogram? Because that's what you get. That's a picture sonogram. Well, anyway, you, you guys know what I'm talking about. The whole thing with um, the, the jelly on the belly and uh, the little machine. That's kind of like ironing your belly. And then you get to see your kid or, you know, the blob of a kid or the... It's, it can be kind of hard to kind of read those sonograms. It's like... It's all black and white, and I seriously, I had one of my son, like my one recent one, and it's like an alien. It's like I have an alien baby with an alien skeleton inside of me, and the midwife was totally, like, she was, she was like, apologizing to us. She's like, I'm, I'm so sorry that your sonogram pictures suck ass. I know that you do not have an alien baby inside of you, even though it may look that way. Uh, it was hilarious. Uh, I didn't really share those sonograms because seriously, it's like an alien baby inside of me. But anyway, I'm not pregnant at, at this present moment. This is um, I was pregnant last year, 2017. Anyway, 
So um, I had the scheduled C-section um, and they have all these rules regarding C-section. So and because the baby or, you know, because I, I don't know why, but I did want to try to deliver vaginally. I think it was because I was so hell-bent on it being better for the child. I was so hell-bent on it being more natural and that they would get all these, I don't know, beneficial bacteria and it would be a bonding experience and blah, 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 blah. So even though I was really scared of it, it was still it really rung in my mind that like you need to do this it's, it's better for the baby do not give birth via cesarean but you know um sometimes you just you don't you don't have a say in the matter and that's actually how it was for me i didn't have a say in the matter so if you have a baby that's sitting um in the womb you're not allowed they're not allowed to um like jumpstart labor. They're not allowed to give you pedatine or any of that to get the labor going. So you have to um, you have to just like go into labor naturally, if that makes sense. Um, and the baby was quite big, so they really did want her to turn on her head and be in the proper birthing position, but that was impossible. It, it just was impossible. Like, they tried everything. I tried acupuncture. They tried turn, turning the kid manually, so not, like, hands in womb, but just outside of my stomach. Like, I had this midwife lay on top of me trying to turn the kid, and just nothing happened. And she's like, I'll, I've tried three times. I've never tried as hard. She is not moving. I was like, okay, this is one stubborn lady, and I like it. Um, so and I had my pelvis, um, my pelvis uh, measured to see if I could give birth to a child that was sitting. I had a doctor and midwives that had years of experience delivering children that were sitting. So I was like, everything was prepped for me to give birth vaginally to this child if I were to go into labor naturally. And I tried everything, people. I did all the old wives' tales. I tried intercourse. I tried swallowing semen. I tried walking anywhere and everywhere. I tried eating spicy food. I went bowling. I sniffed natural. You know, I had long walks, sniffed the air. Nothing worked. I was not going into labor with this kid. So I went a week past my due date, and that's when they scheduled the cesarean. They were like, well, actually, you have to, um, we can't give you longer than that because the baby is actually now quite large. Um, and the funny thing, I had forgotten about this. The funny thing is, is actually the day that we went in for cesarean, because um, she was sitting, the day that we went in was like, I don't think, I think a few days before my due date. And I was really unhappy about the date that I was given for the cesarean section because I wanted to have it done uh, in August because I'd always pictured my baby born in August. I don't know why. And the, the date was in July. And so when we arrived in July, um, getting the day before the cesarean section getting our prep talk and yeah just being prepped for for surgery and everything like that uh they i i just casually said it's so um i'm, I'm a little bit sad i always wanted the baby's birthday to be in august because that's just always what i pictured during the pregnancy and then the midwife and me got a chat got chatting and she's like you don't need to have a cesarean tomorrow oh no 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 you can wait like 10 more days and i'm like say what 
nobody has told me this. Um, what do you mean? I've told everybody I'm giving birth tomorrow, and you're telling me 10 days? What is this now? She's like, yeah, if you want it, they're yours. And um, that will allow you time to, you know, if you go into labor naturally, then you have those 10 extra days to do so. I was like, shut the front door. So I returned from Lundspitalin and I was like, mm-hmm. I got an extra 10 days. I will begin this kid into August. And that's what we did. I ended up having a cesarean on the 2nd of August because cesarean sections in Iceland are only done on, or at least in Reykjavik. They're only done on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And back in 2011, sounds like, you know, it was 100 years ago, but back in 2011, I wasn't allowed to take any photos in the operating theater. Isn't that weird? Like, they allow it now, so I could do it with um, my baby that was born in 2017. But in 2011, it wasn't allowed. But my partner was there with me. And, um, and I was, but I was, it was, I was sad that I didn't get to like hold the baby as soon as she was born because, um, she had to have that surgery. But otherwise they usually let you just have the kid and while they stitch you up, you, or sew you up and, you know, make all the necessary arrangements down there. Um, you get to have your child with you and you and your partner just chatting and have a child. But the, and the difference between 2011 and 2017 is that in 2011, I had this midwife or nurse, I don't remember, who was kind of telling me what they were doing, how they were doing it. My partner just kind of sat there or was there holding my hand and was also seeing what they were doing, but also talking to me. And, and then I had this uh, midwife or nurse who was going like, now they're opening the body, they're cutting into the body, now they're massaging the womb, now they're trying to get the baby's foot out. It was really interesting. But um, so now, 2017... They had this huge plasma screen, this huge TV, um, and I could actually watch the entire C-section. Kid you not. So I could see everything they were doing whilst they were doing it. But what actually did transpire in my second um, C-section um, in 2017 is that there was a complication. And so uh, one of my arteries was uh, very arteries to the womb was very swollen so it started to bleed and I uh, almost bled out like I didn't die but I was very close to so I lost like almost all my blood and then I when I got um blood don donated or the blood what's it called blood, not blood gifts that's the Icelandic word but anyways when I got blood um that also bled out so my body wasn't holding any blood and it was just squirting everywhere so my um, partner and my newborn had to be removed from the operating theater quite um, quickly and my, my my poor newborn spent almost the whole day of his first of his life you know the first day of his life he spent without me but you know he was with his father so I was I was not that worried he was a good hands but it was without his mom and without you know, kind of suckling at my breast and the whole perfect idea that I had in, had pictured in my mind. Um, but, uh, and I had to have emergency surgery, but everything worked out fine in the end. Um, I'm not allowed to have more children, which is okay. I have three, you know, I populated a plenty, but um, that was the result of that. Uh, but it was interesting, you know, being able to watch everything happening on the screen. Well, you know, until everything went kind of, kind of hit, hit yeah just went to shit town and you saw blood fly, blood squirting and you saw like um 
what what's it called? The rags that they try to soak the blood in. All of a sudden, they were flying on the floor, and they were like, "Oh, turn the TV screen! She's not about to see this!" And then just panic set in, and I was just put to sleep really quickly. And I didn't wake until I don't know how many hours later. And then I had to have I was just awake for a few hours, and then I had to have emergency surgery, which I was actually awake for. So that was interesting as well. But um, and then my middle child that I had through a vaginal birth, like no complications, nothing. I didn't even have painkiller. Are you kidding me? See, I always thought that when you were about to give birth, I always thought that um, the midwife would come bearing all these treasures on a tray, and she'd be like, good evening, dear madame, you're about to give birth. Uh, what kind of medication or painkillers would the lady prefer? I, I always thought it would be kind of a regal event, and she would bring all, all these, like, I don't know, syringes or like all these things, and she'd be like, Here's the gas, here's the painkiller, here's the syringe, here's this, here's that. But none of that happened. None of that transpired. No, no, no. So apparently you have to ask for some pain relief. They will not offer it to you. You have to ask. And I was just not in a state of mind of asking for pain relief. I just thought that they would deem it appropriate when they deemed it appropriate. And then they would offer it to me. But uh, no, no, no. None of that happened. They did not do that. I mean, I obviously came through it, and it was, I don't know if I should use the word fine, because it, it wasn't really fine, but it was fine, you know? You know what I'm saying? Probably don't. And it's, I, I, I'm not sure I would say that this is something that everybody needs to experience. I don't really think, I don't really think so. Um, but it, it certainly was a unique experience. It was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. And mind you, I've gone like hiking in um, the northern of Thailand, having food poisoning, throwing up all the time and just fainting into the bush. It was horrific and disgusting. But and that was a real endurance oh, test. But I guess that then that took longer time than actually giving birth. I don't know. I don't know if I'm. Why am I comparing the two? I don't know. I'm not even sure. It was uh, up in those mountains by Chiang Mai or in the forest by Chiang Mai. Jesus H. That was difficult. But anyway, um, so I just it, it. But if I'm if I am to compare the two, I felt more. I felt more tired, more lethargic, more exhausted, and it, it felt like I, it took longer for me to recover after cesarean certainly after cesarean um number three which was last year of course that took a long time to recover from also because just my body was just in pieces almost and um the surgeon who performed my surgery she did tell me that it would take months for me to recover and that i would be very tired and it would take some time for me to get my stamina up and and she she did warn me you know to be fair um, but it, it and it kind of took me all the year 2017, so all last year to recover. I was really, really tired, more tired than I ever would have thought, you know, would have been possible after having a baby. And I just slept a lot, and I binge watched a lot of series, and I drank a lot of coffee, and I ate a lot of toast and chocolate, and I just spent a lot of time at my house. I I didn't even often want company because I was just I was too tired and it was hard walking upstairs and all these things just 
I, I don't know, I had kind of the life drained out of me, but I had so much joy because I was alive and I had all these moments looking at my family, my party of five, um, you know, not in the sad Neve Capel way, but uh, I had all this joy looking around me and I'm like, wow, can you imagine if I, if I wouldn't have been here, like my kids could have been without a mother, you know, and you know, that's, I think, you know, safe to say, I can say that my family is a, is a matriarchy, not a patriarchy, but a matriarchy. And I was like, wow, we could have lost so much. So the end result of that third um, or the second cesarean was actually that I am not to have more children because I could die from the next um, from giving birth the next time because that most definitely would be a cesarean and the risk is too great. So me and my partner have just taken those steps to make sure that um, like our family size is set. We are indeed a party of five, a very happy party of five, I might add. But uh, so in comparison to like giving birth, um, I felt more energetic um, after giving birth, even though that was really a trying time for the body. Uh, and I felt really drained, but I still, it was, I felt more energetic. I felt that um, I was, it took less time to like recuperate, to get my strength back. And I had like the muscles in my stomach, they actually worked. Whereas after cesarean section, I didn't, I didn't have abdominal muscles. I swear it was so strange. And laughing after cesarean section is the freakiest thing because it's like your organs are free floating it's like they're astronauts in space it's like zero gravity and they're just floating around in there and you know organs are not supposed to do that they're supposed to stay in their place they're supposed to behave but there they were just like going everywhere and laughing i remember i laughed the same day as i gave birth and uh to my firstborn and i just remember it was so it was such a weird feeling. It was so uncomfortable. I had this pillow and I held it up to my stomach and I pushed really hard and I was like, turn off that Modern Family episode. Damn you, Phil. This is hurting me so bad. And I was just crying and laughing and crying and laughing because it was like, oh my God, such a weird sensation. But I was so happy that my Volvo was intact. I have to say, I was happy about that. I was happy that I didn't have to pee in the shower with the, the water, you know, streaming down my legs. And that's not pee streaming down my legs. That's actually the shower rod because I, not the shower rod, that just sounds weird. But you know, the shower thingy where you have to have like water running on your vulva while you're peeing so it doesn't sting as bad. And you can't, because everything is so swollen and stitched up, you can't really wipe yourself. And I didn't even, I didn't even have that bad of a tear. Like I had like a minor tear. Like I could talk to my mom on the phone while the midwife was stitch was stitching me up so it wasn't bad at all but still it was so swollen i was so scared to like and it, this has actually been true of all of my births i was so scared to poo after giving birth i was like i do not want to poo i do not want another thing coming out of me never ever again but you know pushed through it as you do, used my breathing technique that I learned for giving birth, to give birth to the poo. It was uh, an exhilarating time to be alive. No, I'm kidding. Um, so I think every birth story is unique and different, and, um, and every person is unique and different. But I don't think it's like one over the other. It's just like, what do you need to do for you and your child to be safe and to be able to enter this world with both of you safe? So that that's kind of uh, 
yeah, those are kind of my birth stories, and I bear the mark. I have the, uh, I have the red scar. I have, uh, I have my good friend Mr. Cuntcliffe, who just sitting on dock of a bay, you know, watching the tide roll away. Oh, that just song just got a new meaning to me, just as I connected those dots. But um, yeah, so here's a little. Here goes, so goes the story of the mother of three and how she had a C, birth, C, or C, vag, C. No, this is just, this is getting strange. So, uh, um, I'm gonna just say over and out. Thanks for listening. This concludes this week's episode of Sex in Iceland with Sikaduk, a sexologist. If you have any comments, questions, or queries,